How to find rest. How to find rest. Anyone here need to find a little rest? Just curious where we're at. Sort of. Well, if you find something good, you're supposed to share it with other people, right? You find something good, you, you, you find a good book, you share it. A good restaurant, you share it. A good church, you share it. And as you know what's coming next, if you find a good fishing spot, you don't share it. There are exceptions. But this past week, John, can you just bring me down the gain or just a little bit? I feel like if I... Thank you. This past week, I, I found something very good. I want to share it with you. Uh, I found rest. I found rest. Um, and I found it in... I think, an unusual spot, a spot I wasn't looking for. Uh, where did I find rest? It was on vacation. I know you think, well, that, duh, of course you found rest on vacation. But really, there, there's more to the story. Uh, this past week, our family went to Muskegon, Michigan, uh, to a retreat center on Lake Michigan. The retreat center is called Maranatha. It's a, a word that appears once in the Bible, uh, and it means our Lord is coming. Maranatha is uh, 86 years old. It's on 80 acres. It's, it's uh, this beautiful little slice of heaven. Um, they, they have all the uh, old teachers that came through and taught. Billy Graham taught there three years in a row, held a revival there in 1950. Uh, every night of the summer, they have a church service. So every night, our family went to uh, church much like this. I particularly like their website. It says it's vacationwithpurpose.org, and you know, Life of Purpose is our church, so I thought, hey, that kind of works for me. Um, but uh, my hope is actually to take some of us there, our men's, on, maybe on a fall retreat, to go there and experience it. But I was invited to go uh, because I am a part of Fellowship of Christian Athletes as a, a volunteer, and I help coach um, camps, and they had a basketball camp in week seven of their summer, and so I was invited to go with my family, and so in the morning session, coached basketball, and then the rest of the time was family time, and our family played mini golf, pickleball, basketball, uh, we got to zip line, rock climb, go on a high ropes course, we swam in Lake Michigan, we spent time relaxing at the pool, all of this is on their campus, folks. I mean, this is a really a beautiful place. We had a great time. Um, it was a lot of fun, but that's not how I found rest. In fact, some of you are like, dang, that sounds like you should be exhausted. <laughs> this is how I found rest. I left my phone in the room. I unplugged. I spent five glorious days with my family, with new friends, and my phone was all alone in our room. If phones could cry, mine wept. <laughs> Where are you, Matt? I miss you. We spend so much time cheek to cheek. <laughs> our apps are crying out for you. Where are you? Don't worry, phone. I'm only a little ways away from you now. But why did that give me rest? Why was it that not having my phone on me at all times, and it simply is about distractions. Focus, I was able to be mindful. You've heard of mindfulness. I was able to focus on one thing, and that one thing was what I was doing at that moment, and it was a beautiful thing. 
I found rest. And I am convinced that you can find rest, not the moral of the story to put your phone away in the drawer, but you can find rest if you create margin in your life. You know what margin is, right? It's the white border around the paper with no words on it. You understand margin. Margin is space. Space that allows you to find rest. Margins. You need to take breaks throughout the day. You need to take days off. You need to take vacations. But it's kind of rare, actually, for Christians, even today, to honor the Sabbath. To honor one day. To take one day off. To rest. It's rare. But we need to create margins. If you've ever been through Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey, the financial guru, will tell you the first thing you do to help yourself out is save $1,000. Why? To create margin, to create space, to give yourself a little cushion. If you're driving down the road and, and you're in a traffic jam and you drive six inches behind the car in front of you, Try driving 16 feet behind the car in front of you. You might find that margin there relaxes you a little bit. Space. Create margin. If you don't create margin in your life, if you work seven days a week, your body has a way of creating its own margin. It's called a heart attack. And you will naturally have some bed rest there. So my hope is you don't create margin that way, but you find it in your own healthy way. You take the breaks throughout the day. Take a day off each week. Take vacations. Unplug when you do these things and focus on the one thing you're doing. Be mindful of it and you'll find rest. I know some of you are thinking, though, but you don't understand. My life, there's no time. I need every second of every day. I'm working. I'm going to school. I have a family. I have little kids, and they are exhausting. Moms, can I get an amen? amen. We met a great family this week at camp. They have three boys, eight years old, six years old, and four years old. And we sat with them every night at dinner, and we had such a great time just kind of watching them. Uh, they make all kinds of funny faces, and they say silly things, and we just were cracking up. But sometimes they would get a little cranky. Uh, one night they weren't allowed, two of them could have dessert, one couldn't, or, and um, there was some tears. And I got just a little glimpse of what it's like to be a grandparent. Uh, I saw the tears, and I got to go home to my peaceful room. <laughs> and that what grandparents love. One night, in fact, Ethan uh, got up from dinner and said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go play pickleball and basketball or whatever. I'm going to go hang out with, with friends. And I said, okay, see you later. And the dad looked over at me and was like, you mean you can just let him go and he can do his own thing? I don't have to watch every move? I'm like, yeah, you'll get there. It happens. They become teenagers. So it's a, it's a glorious thing. Anyway, um, I do have a big heart for young families because uh, speaking from experience, it's uh, probably the biggest test of your marriage is having those little kids and not having any time and always just, it's hard to find rest. You really have to be intentional about it. I hope that you will, will do that. You'll be intentional, but that's really not what I'm going to talk to you about this morning mainly. That's not the main point. I want you to find rest. 
I talk uh, all the time uh, to athletes about uh, finding rest. I've shared it with, with the church before. Um, three simple things always to find rest. If it's physical rest you're after, if it's mental rest, if it's emotional rest, take a break every 90 minutes throughout the day, take a day off, take vacations. Just keep those things in mind. If you're doing those things, you'll find rest. However, you will not necessarily find the rest that's the most important rest that you need, and that's spiritual rest. You need spiritual rest. And you can do, I know there's people out there, and I know they do, you can do all those things, you can take all those breaks, you can follow my advice, or you can have your own plan, and some people like to do you know, meditation or yoga and all that. You can do a hundred namastes in a week, it's not going to give you spiritual rest. Because, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but namaste means I bow to you, and it comes from the Hindu belief that we are all little gods. You've heard that America is a melting pot of ethnicities, right? Well, we are also now a melting pot of religions. And I sort of cringe when people say that I'm spiritual because that can mean so many different things. To be spiritual today could just be a blending of a whole bunch of different religions, and one of the truths of those religions is that we are all little gods, and that's not a truth, because I'm here to tell you and take a stand on the fact that Christianity leaves no room for us to be gods. There is one true God, and we worship him in spirit and truth. We find rest in him. So many of you are with me. Thumbs up if you're with me. This way if you got questions. This way if you need more coffee. Still some in the back. But it doesn't matter what time in history you do your research. You can go back 100 years, 1,000 years, 2,000 years, there's always going to be groups of people seeking out God or gods, and there's going to be religious and spiritual problems going on at any point in history. When Jesus lived on this earth, there were religious problems going on. And he surrounded himself with Jewish people because he was Jewish. That's right. And at that point... Judaism was an established religion. For hundreds of years it had been established. And whenever a religion is established, traditions are formed. And oftentimes, based on the spiritual leaders, they tend to tweak things or interpret things in their own way. And so you get all these traditions that get built up. You see this in Catholicism and Lutherans and Baptists and all the Christian denominations. You see these kinds of problems, really, that that end up developing. Because I say problems because when any time a man-made tradition gets in the way of our relationship with God, you have a problem. You have a big problem. And I've said this before, religion can be a good way of of messing up our relationship with God. And we don't want that. So friends, don't let man-made traditions get in your way of knowing God, because when you know God, you will find rest in Him. 
And this is what Jesus understood. This is what he, this is, this is kind of the, the, the context, if you will, of what Jesus said that it's probably some verses that you've read before and maybe even memorized before, but they're three very important verses for us to know as Christians. And they come in Matthew 11. If you have a Bible, open it up to Matthew 11. If you don't, there's a Bible hopefully close by in front of you. They're free. You can take them home if you'd like. Or if you have a digital Bible, or if you didn't bring anything, we've got it here for you, Matthew 11, verse 28, 29, and 30. Jesus was addressing this issue of spiritual problems, burdens, traditions, restricting our relationship with God, getting closer to God, which is the number one reason why people come to church. We want to get closer to God. We want to know God. So here it is. Jesus said in verse 28, Come to me, all who who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of you have heard that before or read that before? Yeah, it's a popular verse, but I really want you to see the truth of it. Because I think so many times when people read that, their initial thought is, oh, he's talking about physical rest. He's, he's talking about what I talked about before, how to get physical rest, throw your phone away. It works. <laughs> and so you have the anxiety of, oh, who's calling? You know, That only goes so far. But no, he's not talking about physical rest. He's talking about spiritual rest. He's addressing the problem of Religion getting in the way of our relationship with God. And he says here in these verses, which I want to break down for you, he says six things mainly, and I I, I highlighted them for you. The first thing is, he says, come to me. And this is his call. This is his call. So if we can put that up on the screen, his call. It was the last day of camp, this week, Friday, and I had my opportunity to teach the kids. All the coaches took turns teaching the kids, and we did like a little 15-minute devotional with, they're seven years old all the way up to 13 years old. And so it was my turn to teach the kids, and the theme was every, and my, my, my little lesson was every day with Christ. So I started off with, with a little illustration, because those little seven-year-olds can only handle so much, uh, listening. Their attention span, you know, is about seven minutes, <laughs> based on your age. Some of you guys have incredible attention span. If you're 60, you can sit there for 60 minutes. That's, that's kind of the rule of thumb. I should preach for 60 minutes then, shouldn't I? No. Okay. Never mind. So I, I, I said to them, I wanted to kind of get them engaged. So I, I, had a, I said, I need a volunteer. And so I had a volunteer. He was 10. And I blindfolded him. And then I had, I need five more volunteers, and I got them. And, and so the object, the goal, was for this blindfolded young boy to cross the gym. And there was five obstacles in the way, five other kids. They were supposed to um, not move their feet, but they could reach out and try to grab him, and they could call to him and yell to him. And then all the other kids, there's over 100 kids in the camp, and they're all... I, I, I give them the ability, the, the, um, I said, you guys can scream as loud as you want, as if a seven-year-old needs a reason to scream. And, 
And, and, and so I said, scream as loud as you want. Man, they did it. The whole time, they did it. I'm still deaf in my right ear. It, you, if you say something, I can't hear you. It's because I told these kids to scream. So they're screaming and hollering and, and yelling. And um, his goal was to get across to the other side. Uh, how, many do you feel, how many of you feel like every single day, that's what life is like? <laughs> that distractions of, of things calling out to you, um, and there's just lots of noise. Well, how did he do it? How did he get through his day, every day, with Christ? How did he do it? Well, I was the good shepherd, and I stood right next to him, and I whispered into his ear, right, go left, go forward, stop, go right, back, go forward. And he made it through that easily, easily, because I was his good shepherd. He heard me. Can you hear Jesus calling you today? Come to me. Thank God if you can hear his voice calling you because not everybody hears it. Not everybody hears Jesus. There's too much noise. They they can't hear because they're too busy with all the things that they think are important. So praise God if you can hear Jesus calling you. Come to me. Come to me is what he says. Then we have his crowd. So who can hear the call? All who labor, or if your translation might read, weary, and are heavy laden, which another translation means is burdened. So all who are heavy laden uh, are weary and burdened. Come to me, Jesus says, all who are weary and burdened. This is his crowd, those who are weary and burdened. When I first started teaching high school, many years ago, I said, where do we go eat lunch? And where do you eat lunch? The teacher's lounge. They should really rename it and call it the teacher's complaining center. Because I found out real quickly, that's what teachers do at lunch. In case you were wondering what do teachers do at lunch, they complain about everything. Teachers in the room, is it true? It's true, I thought so. I found out quickly that was not my crowd. I didn't really want to complain. I didn't want to bash anybody. I didn't want, so I was out of there. So I had to find somewhere else to eat lunch. So I ended up going to the gym, went to the PE office, and I found out, holy cow, all the coaches hang out in the PE office at lunch and they talk about sports. That was my crowd. So I was happy. I found my crowd. I find it very interesting that Jesus' crowd is the weary and the burdened. I mean, Jesus is the Son of God. You think he would hang out with all of the really holy people, the spiritual people, right? The religious leaders, if you will. But that's exactly the people he didn't hang out with. He went to the lost and the sick and the broken. He hung out with the sinners. And the reason is because, as he said, the righteous don't need a doctor. The sick need a doctor. So is there anyone here that fits into Jesus' crowd? Anybody a little broken, a little weary, a little burdened? Yeah, that's where, that's my, I'm in his crowd too. 
Then we come to his covenant. So he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, burdened, and I will give you rest. And that's his covenant. Covenant's just a fancy word for promise, but I had to stick with the C's, folks. His call, his crowd, his covenant. And if I could be honest with you today, and I should be because I'm a pastor, I wish Christians would not just read verse 28 and stop there. But sadly, I think they do. Sadly, I think there's a lot of Christians, or a lot of people, maybe not quite Christians, that come to Jesus for a moment in time. And they feel good because they show up at church and they get a little closer to God, and it's for a moment in time, and then they go back to their old way of living, and it doesn't take very long before they are restless again. They're burdened again. They're weary again. And they never really truly find the spiritual rest because they stopped after verse 28. Please don't be that Christian. Please keep reading. Please dive into 29 and 30 because that's where we find our responsibility. We see what Jesus does. We hear his call. We know we are his crowd. We see his promise, his covenant. But now we must see our surrender. Take my yoke upon you. Now you know Jesus grew up. Maybe you didn't or maybe you do now. He grew up as a carpenter's son. His dad, Joseph, was a carpenter. And when you think of a carpenter, you think, oh, the guy that builds houses. But more than likely, Jesus probably grew up building farm equipment, like yolks. We're not talking about eggs, folks. You had your chance. It's almost lunchtime. Yolks, Y-O-K-E. In fact, I have a picture for you of a yoke. This is a double yoke that was used or is used for oxen to plow. So you would yoke together two oxen, and then you can see how the farmer can control the movements of the oxen. That is true surrender, because the wood is heavy, the yoke is placed on them, and um, they didn't make one-size-fits-all yokes. They made custom-made yokes. I mean, I'm sure Jesus made lots of yokes in his life, and and they were probably very much custom-made. So you have to understand, when you read this, when Jesus says to you, take my yoke upon you, he's saying, take my custom-made yoke, which really, honestly, I think makes surrendering all the more enjoyable, knowing that his yoke is custom-made. In fact, when you read verse 30 and it says, my yoke is easy, That word is not the best translation. Easy is not the best word there. The word for um, yoke or easy is the word Christos in in Greek, and it actually means fit for good use, pleasant, fit, custom-made. So Jesus is saying, take my custom-made yoke upon you, and that means surrender. Surrender to my custom plan for your life. And what gets in the way of our surrender is our pride, doesn't it? Yeah, we don't want to surrender. Like, that's, like, that's, that's giving up. We don't want to, no. It's, it's a different kind. But God calls us to surrender our will to his will, and he doesn't force us to do it. He just simply asks us to do it, and it gives us the opportunity to do it, and he says, follow me. 
What many people don't realize is that when you surrender, when you take his yoke upon you, it's not a single yoke. It's a double yoke. It's a double. He's there with you. He's yoked together with you. And, 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 and it's his plan for you. And it's a perfect plan. Because you're never alone. And he promised before he left, I will never leave you. I will always be with you. So we are called to surrender to his will. And when we surrender, we turn to then our service. Because Jesus says, learn from me, I am gentle and lowly in heart. I think this is one thing that makes Christianity unique. And there's lots of things that make Christianity unique. But compared to all the other religions, this truly makes Christianity and and sets it apart from all other religions. We have a God who came to us and died for us. What religion boasts that? That God loves us to send us His Son, to live among us, to be like us, to serve us, to learn obedience through suffering, to give His life as a ransom to redeem us, to make a way where there is no way, to give us eternal life. What other religion does that? None. That's our God. And we are called to serve Him. You read Philippians chapter 2, verses 1-11 through 11 on your own, and you will see what Jesus has done for us. What He's done for you. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And the Apostle Paul reminds us then that we are to do the same. Our service. What do we do in Ephesians 2.10? We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? To sit in the pew? No. For good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. Our service. So when we surrender and we live to serve, we find true rest, our salvation. Our rest for your souls. And that's where we need to get to, Christians. Don't stop after verse 28. Keep reading. Get to verse 29 and we find rest for our souls. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't get to God through religion and rules. You get to to Him from a personal relationship. In fact, Jesus condemned those spiritual leaders, those religious rulers, because they didn't even practice what they preached. They put all of these burdens on the people. All of those rules, over 600 commands. And they tweaked them all. You couldn't even... Go out on the Sabbath day and carry a needle lest you sow something. I mean, the burden that they put on. In fact, Jesus says in Matthew 23, 4, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear. They lay them on people's shoulders. You see where he's coming, where he's going. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. So Jesus says in verse 30, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. My yoke is custom made for you, and my burden is light. I don't have a bunch of rules. In fact, I got two. Love God. Get the vertical part right first. And then love others. The horizontal. Love God. Love one another. Surrender to God. Serve one another. 
Every day, put on that custom-made yoke. Pray the simple prayer. Lord, you lead the way. Lord, what's your plan today? Lord, i got a lot of things i got to do today, but what's your will? What's your plan? I told you this week that one of the fun things that we got to do as a family was to go ziplining. Anybody ever been ziplining before? Ziplining is fun. It's kind of like flying, kind of flying along. And um, before you enjoy the freedom of flying, you have to put on a harness that, that goes kind of like a yoke. <laughs> goes around your waist and your legs. I asked if I could do the Indiana Jones style, you know. They said no. Liabilities, you know, insurance. You put on this harness, and then you clip into the rope, and it's all very secure, and all the, it takes a long time. You're waiting in line. You have to climb up the telephone pole. You get to the platform. All of this leading up, uh, lots and lots of building up anxiety. I mean, excitement. Um, <laughs> and then you have to jump off the platform. She's not pushing me. She says, go ahead. For real? That's high. Just hold on to the rope and jump. Really? It's going to hold me? Because the last person got really close to the bottom. And I'm bigger than that last person. (laughs) And I jumped. But it takes a lot of trust. Because if I don't, the rope doesn't hold me, then I'm going to break some bones. But when you jump and you trust God, He doesn't let you down, does he? And that's what we need to do. Because when you let, when when that rope caught caught me and and the cable was, I mean, that I jumped, and I wish you would have had a camera to see. I could have, I could have broke open a walnut. I gritted my teeth so hard. (laughs) And then I, and then I, and then I I just kind of like our daughter, you know, I just, ah. And then it was enjoyable. And then I was like going down and looking around, and it was fun. But that's what it is like every day, isn't it? Surrendering to God. Taking that leap of faith, jumping and saying, okay, God, it's all you. You're going to catch me today? And he does. The more you trust him, the more you find rest for your soul. It's today the day that you're going to surrender. I want to offer you that opportunity to find rest for your soul. I'm going to ask our team to come up. I think you'll find that the final song is very fitting. But I'd like you to do something that maybe you've never done before. Maybe you've thought about doing it before because I offer it all the time. And that is to come forward and and to pray. This is kind of like an altar up here. But if you can hear Jesus calling you today come to me. If you're his crowd, you're weary and burdened. And if you want to receive his promise, which is to find rest, then I'm asking you to take a leap of faith, to walk down this aisle, come up to these steps, bow your head, pray a simple prayer. Lord, today I surrender all of me to all of you. That's it. And if you want to head back to your chair after that, You can if you want to stay and pray longer. 
You're welcome to do that. But if today is the day you want to surrender as we sing this song, I encourage you to come forward and bow your head and pray that prayer. Lord, I surrender all of me to all of you. Will you stand?